sibling cinema. I'm Dennis. And I'm Bonnie. And we are here telling we're looking at the Oscar winners for Best Picture from Worst to Best, mm-hmm. based on an aggregate list I made from various um, internet rankings. So we are all the way up to number 48. Yes. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about 1980s Ordinary People. Right. And this is our halfway point. Wow. Because we uh, made the list before um, the 95th winner, mm-hmm. which was... Um, which will be everything, everything everywhere, everywhere all at once. once. <laughs> yes. Are we predicting that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty certain. Um, but anyway, so this is a list of 94, so 47 is a halfway point. So Ordinary People is the best movie of the bottom half of the list. Oh, okay. According to the aggregate. Yeah. Um, so uh, you... I mean, I disagree. Okay, well, we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what? what's your background with Ordinary People? I, I'd, I've never seen it before I, I, I have I saw one scene it was actually the first scene um, that was used in a in a class okay about family systems oh yeah that's um, an yeah, interesting so I, movie for that topic yeah no it, it's a good it's a really good movie for that topic yeah. yeah and that one scene makes way more sense in context of the whole movie okay right yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. That, yeah. Yeah. That, so yeah. that was my only background with it. I. Just, I'm sure you've heard of it. Oh yeah, 80s, I've definitely heard of and, it. Yeah, and uh, I didn't see it. We were overseas at the time. Right. So. Yeah, I saw it a few times. I remember it being shown in high school. Oh really? Yeah. Like you in a class. Uh, yeah, in class. I think wow. for like psychology or maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, Things like that, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think okay. it must have been psychology or something like that. Um, yeah, so I saw it then. I think I had already seen it actually, so I've, I've seen okay. it a few times. Okay. Uh, but let's get into the losers. We pretty much already have the time frame set because last week we just discussed right. the uh, movie right before it. So right. this is our first time we're going in consecutive order. Right. Yeah, nineteen. This is the dysfunctional family era. Yes, yeah, exactly. And this and Kramer versus Kramer, which we talked about last week, are often it's it's interesting that we get them back to back because they're often kind of compared to each other or mentioned in the same breath. They're very um, kind of defined what kind of Oscar bait would be for the next Mm -hmm. uh, decade or so. Right, mommy issues. Yeah, yeah, it would be either these um, very serious domestic dramas with powerhouse actors or mm-hmm. sweeping historical epics like Gandhi or um, mm-hmm. maybe even Terrence of Fire. Um, yeah, so, and we also watched, we already watched a movie that was set in 1980. Do you remember what that is? Oh, Argo. Yeah. Uh, so the losers. Oh, remember the Elephant Man? I did see the Elephant Man. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. being um, really moved by it at the time. 
was yeah, it, 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 right. This was. I'm sure, I didn't see it in 1980, but I probably saw it in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I remember it coming on cable yeah, a lot. Yeah, right. I. Um, I was just making sure we're still recording. Um, the yeah, it's a black and white drama set in Victorian England oh, about. I didn't remember it being black and white. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been almost 40 years. It was about... Okay, well, let me make sure I'm under... I might have the wrong movie. Is this about this disfigured... Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and he becomes kind of a... He has elephantitis. Right. John Merrick, played by John Hurt. Okay. Who we've seen in Man for All Seasons. Oh, who was he in the Man for All? He was the... Young guy who kind of turned on Thomas Moore, right? Okay. right yeah, um, and Anthony Hopkins plays this doctor who kind of sympathizes with him and tries to get him to see his inner humanity. Yeah. So well, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm not an animal. The yeah. Famous oh, okay. scene from it. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, I saw this a long time ago, probably in in high school, early eighties or something. Yeah. 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 So that's that. Coal Miner's Daughter. Oh, I also saw that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a, a musical biography of Loretta Lynn. Okay, who yeah. Who just recently passed. Okay. So she's SpaceX, who's, of yeah. course, still with us, but yeah. she's there as the Coal Miner's Daughter. Yeah. I feel like I watched that on cable during that same time frame. Yeah. Tess? Uh, no. Yeah, it's a uh, costume drama by Roman Polanski. It's an adaptation of the Thomas Hardy novel, uh-huh. Tess of the Durbervilles. Right. It's a Victorian novel. Yeah. Brought to screen. Okay. And uh, then, do you recommend the book or the movie? Um, I really liked the book when I read it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the movie version is fine. Yeah, I really liked that Thomas Hardy novel. Okay. And um, finally, we have Raging Bull. Okay. By Martin Scorsese, this is one of his, um, often considered his masterpiece, or at least one of his masterpieces with, with uh, Goodfellas and Taxi Driver. Okay. Um, but this is a, a portrait, also a black and white biography um, of Jake LaMotta. I don't know. Uh, yeah, who, who's a boxer, and it's just the... It's famous for, like, some of these um, images, these boxing scenes are very, um, yeah, very kind of brutal, and yeah. uh, but really well filmed, and it's the biography that really critiques his uh, kind of aggressive masculinity in his personal life, and it's like, uh, you know, kind of takes a different approach where most you know, your standard biography will go through, like, the tentpole events of your life, like the marriage and the mm-hmm. kids and stuff, where this, that kind of happens off screen, and it just focuses on these, you know, more mundane moments, but that shows one's personality, like, you know, the okay. fighting over a broken TV and, and stuff like so that. This so this is a real person. Real person, yeah. Who had anger issues. Had anger issues, yes. That's okay. a good, polite way to put it. Okay. Played by Robert De Niro um, in probably his most famous performance. Okay. Um, but that's it's interesting that it comes out at the same time as The Elephant Man, both 
um, biographical movies based put in black and white mm-hmm. with the um, title referring to the main character with an animal metaphor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so those are the losers. Yeah. Uh, so we have the winner was Ordinary yeah. People. So what what's right. Ordinary People about? Uh, it's about a um, family who is dealing with uh, an upper middle class family is dealing with the recent death of one son and then their surviving son who literally survived the uh, right. the boating, boating. Yeah, boating yeah. incident that the older son died in older teenage son the younger teenage son um, as we meet the family has just recently gotten out of um, being hospitalized uh, after committing suicide, so like in attempting, a, I, I'm sorry, after attempting <laughs> right, suicide, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Right. So it follows the saga of this falling apart family uh, and the relationships between the cold and distant mother and the father, the sort of the empathetic father figure and then the troubled team and it, yeah so kind of a screwball comedy yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah so yeah so that's what it's about and yeah. and that's that's why it was shown in a family systems you know class because it definitely yeah. discusses all these aspects of it and it's i don't know it seemed i mean it uh, it's not my favorite movie, obviously. Yeah. It didn't make my top five, but... Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was, I guess, well done, and... Yeah, it's an interesting movie for a family systems therapy, because I think yeah. it's... Where its strongest is in these family dynamics with... And I, th- I think... I think part of there's something about the title "Ordinary People" that seems a little smug to me, where it's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is about everybody." But I think where it may come up a little short for me, at least this time, was that I don't think it it doesn't decide whether it's about ordinary people or specific people. In that, I think it's 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 at its best when it's looking at the way dysfunctional relationships, how it's really kind of exploring the way people relate to each other in ways that are destructive. And I think that it, it's, it sometimes takes the bait of being very specific in targeting kind of this waspy segment of society that, it's, there's just these periods of, of disdain that are, I think, a little too targeted. Yeah. That it, it comes off as as not as authentic as some of the other parts Yeah. there. Yeah, I, I definitely my least favorite part is, well, it had some of the problems of Kramer versus Kramer. Right. Of, it was very a male-oriented film. It, Very much. It really is, and all the heroes are are male. I feel like yeah. I don't. Um, I don't know if they're heroes so much as she's 
the villain. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, Judd Hirsch, who plays the... Oh. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's the other people, you know, the, the high school coach doesn't come off well, and no. he's a man. But the, the three that are the sort of the heroes yeah. of it, the father, the son, and... Yeah, the, I would say we sympathize with the father. I don't know that we... I think we clearly see his faults, his flaws. Yeah, yeah. But you can have a, a, a... But what we see is we see character development with him. Oh, and it's, definitely, you identify, yeah. I mean, somebody having, you know, we see his flaws, but his flaws are understandable, they're relatable, right. they're, you know... Well, it's like he's too nice. Right? He's yeah. too nice, right? Yeah. He's too... Too empathetic. He's too, too trusting of his mm-hmm. wife. He he just, it's not he wants that everyone to... Get along. Get along. And, it's, and as soon as he realizes that his wife is just really is cold, then then he ends it, right? Right. You know what I mean? So in that way, I would say he's kind of like, a, you know, one of the heroes of the story, the other being the son, who clearly is cast, played pretty pretty brilliantly, it seems yeah. to me. That. Timothy Hutton. Timothy Hutton. What have I yeah, seen he's, him in? Um, he's probably most famous for uh, Taps and... Falcon and the Snowman. Oh, yeah. He's done a lot of TV work. Yeah. Um, he's still, obviously, I mean, he's pretty young. He's only yeah. 20 here, so. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably, he's 60. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah so probably would be. So he's just a, he's a young baby boomer. Right, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. a young he's baby adjacent baby boomer. Yeah. Well, not yeah. that adjacent. <laughs> well, but, yeah. And anyway, so his character, and then Jet Hirsch. Around. Mm-hmm. You know him from Taxi. Yeah. And from what else? Um, he's just in the fable. He's been in a ton of stuff, but I mean, I remember watching a show called Dear John that he was in. It's not well remembered. Okay. But, uh, yeah. It was just on at that age where I was watching yeah. a lot of sitcoms. I've seen him in a bunch of things. Yeah, he, he's been in a lot. I didn't watch Taxi, really. I've seen maybe a episode of Taxi. But yeah, well, he's in currently he's in the Fablemans. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, that's the yeah, new one. Right. Oh, yeah, it's nominated this year. I'm supposed to see it. Okay. So, so anyway, he plays this very good character also. Yeah. And then, and then we have Mary Tyler Moore, who plays this um, distant, narcissistic yeah. mother who is. Yeah, it's interesting <laughs> watching this because we it just watched last week. A movie about mm-hmm. a couple where maybe the father had even more flaws, but oh, we yeah. saw this character development of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. We saw this character development of even the son, who was also played brilliantly. Yeah. And then, uh, but there was more nuance to, I shouldn't say more yeah. nuance, but the character was a little different. Was a yeah. little bit more sympathetic. In, a little bit more sympathetic. But yeah. I mean, I mean she very... still did... It was like horrible, hor- horrific, but she was also abused. Whereas in this case, they they clearly show that the what's her name in the show and Beth. Beth Beth was not abused in any way. You know, she was oh not, definitely right. yeah. she was not. She's the she's the yeah, one who I, I would say both movies are very critical of the woman. Yeah, but I think. I would say both movies it's redeemed. 
somewhat by a really extraordinary performance really? by the yeah. actress. I mean, yeah. uh, for all my criticisms of Beth as a character, I, Mary Tyler Moore is just yeah. tremendous. I know. Because she's Laura Petrie. Yeah, yeah, and Mary Richards. And I mean, she like has this so iconic nice. performance. Yeah, and I mean, she's just. And I, I was watching a, um, a a commentary by a um, an expert in um, narcissistic personality disorder that was saying how how much she gets this right. Yeah, like about this somebody is, like this that. Is yeah. Like, almost to a T textbook of a narcissistic personality disorder. Is that right? The yeah. extreme, yeah, the control. You know who she reminds me very much of is, um, what? I don't know. <laughs> Say someone who's possibly going to listen to this podcast. No. Okay. No. What were you thinking? Like, who would we know that would listen to the podcast? No, I don't know now who I'm you were saying. I'm trying to think about who you were saying. <laughs> I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. I just thought you were going to call out a real person. No. Brie Vandekamp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, who I am in, in Desperate Housewives. So mm. they have like a character that maybe even possibly is based on, oh, on her. Okay, uh, yeah. uh, but played in um, comedy, comedy. Which is just, it's really fun to, um, there's a lot of, Fun that you can have with a character like this, yeah. but she does end up playing. That's that's who she is like this, like the perfect housewife that's involved in. Like she doesn't yeah. really do anything except for. Yeah, she's very much concerned with her image, and it's like yeah. she's involved in this community. As I understand it, Lake Forest, where it takes place, is like the Beverly Hills of Chicago yeah. area. Right. Um. So it's very wealthy. Yeah, so everything is about the image and yeah, you know, and being friendly, you know, having lots, being well thought of, and which is the same as image, I suppose. But behind closed doors, she's just Pers a, really concerned with perceptions and what yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then, our, she keeps talking about our privacy. That's just a, right. It's her almost her shame of. Yeah. She's very protective of, of the image. And I wonder if, too, that, you know, the whole thing is kind of from the son's perspective. Right. And so she's even maybe more distant than, I don't know. I, I thought it was really interesting. He has a couple of flashbacks. Yes. One of the flashbacks he has is remembering her laughing when yeah. his older brother was there. And it's this bizarre scene. Really strange, yeah. Really strange. She hardly looks like herself. She's right. not prim and proper. She's like dressed like a cheerleader. Like a, yeah, <laughs> I, teeny I mean, bopper. Right. And she's just giddy and laughing to the point of overly flirtatious right. with the older son. And so that's, and it was just like, okay, that doesn't even doesn't seem like the same person, but yeah. it could be his interpretation. Exactly. Right. How his, he remembers. How he remembers, mm -hmm. like, she was just as, as buttoned up and distant as she is with him. She was just gushing over yeah. her brother, his brother. Right. And I was, I think, 
I would may prefer the movie without the accident. Whereas, because it's, I think, because you have these kind of flawed relationships without the implication that, okay, it's all caused by trauma or a right. traumatic yeah. event. So I'm not, I think in terms of it being ordinary people, and these are kind of right. a, a worst-case scenario of how a family can become destructive, um, I think it kind of confuses the matter by saying, okay, well, it's just... There's just kind of a, maybe a layer of pop psychology, you know, about the... You know how it's just about unlocking this um, secret, or the mm-hmm. you know having this right. watershed moment, and then you're cured, or that the implication that she was fine, and then the tragedy happened, and right. her personality changed. Right, which um, can't possibly, if she really right. is narcissistic, she's been that way. Exactly. You know, somebody does. And, and to your point, this is told through his eyes, so right. it, it's much more believable that this is just Conrad's perception yeah. right. of this. Yeah. Because it is different to, and this probably goes to why family systems people like this, mm-hmm. is because you take a system where you have the parents and then two children, and then you take sort of the, the what is, looks like in the system as the favorite child out of it. Yeah. Then it mm-hmm. it adds, yeah, right? You know, okay. Yeah, that's I mean, you even point. do this when, you know, the dynamics kind of change. With our family, our yeah. five are mm-hmm. so close together. So when they started going to college, yeah. it's like this. I, I yeah, mean, Lindsay talks about dynamic. this. Is right. like all of a sudden, Lauren, CJ, who are only a year apart, and then Lindsay's a couple years behind them. So she had two years where all of a sudden the older two are gone. And she's no longer the middle. Now she's the oldest. Yeah. And like, so we had some fun conversations about that during the time because she almost was like feeling like, no, well, now she's got to like act like the oldest, but she'd always been the middle. And mm-hmm. and because our kids are so close together, yeah. it happened fast. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But the so, oldest is always the youngest. Yeah. <laughs> The youngest is the youngest. But it it is weird when the youngest is in the only child. Yeah. Yeah. So that scene you were talking about is the French toast scene? Yeah, so the the one that they had shown, and I guess this was to show what a cold woman she was. And and it's much easier to understand when you see the whole movie. Yes. Because it's just odd at the beginning. So the scene is... Mm -hmm. They come down to dinner. It's a fairly, you know, you've got, this is even in 1980. Yeah. The mom is, like, making this full, like, diner breakfast <laughs> for, I don't know, does everybody do that? I, I mean, baby when, in our, this when our kids were, of, like, little, right. I would make them full breakfast. But by the time they're, you know, whatever, okay. Yeah. So she's making them full breakfast. This was a nice French toast, you know, baby yeah, French right? bread, mm-hmm. right? And she brings it in front of them, and, you know, they sit down, um, like she's the waitress again. And anyway, and the son says he's not hungry, Mm -hmm. which now we know he's probably been like that for a while because he's depressed. Mm -hmm. At the time, we're guessing, right? Right. We're guessing, right? So then 
he says he's not hungry, so she just cheerily says, okay, that's fine. And so she takes yeah. it, and then she starts getting rid of it, and the dad is like, well, what do you, you know, don't, why, why are you getting rid of? And she says it's not. You can't say French house. You can't, you, which is actually, yeah. kind, you know, it's not great leftover. There's a lot of yeah. things good yeah. leftover. But. Yeah, I really like that scene. I do Because too. it's so dripping with subtext, and it really yeah. sets up all these dynamics that we see that really inform this behavior. Yeah. That cuz it's like she she doesn't yell, she's not yeah. doesn't show any anger, but no. like you can tell. Yeah. It's so palpable. Yeah. This real tension and you see this guy that's just trying to hold the pieces together yeah. and like really. But it's it's so you know, it's so like, whoa, what is going on there? Is she you know, you, there's all these questions of, of uh, you know, is is there some sort of background to this? What, you know, by the end we just realize, well, I'm not even that far into the end. You don't have to go very far into the movie right. before you're like, okay, she's just there's something wrong with her. Yeah. So some of the some of that is lost when you, well, for me, when I only saw the one scene. Yeah. And it had been introduced to me as like, here's this dramatic scene where you're going to get something really out of. And then we watched that one scene. And it was like, okay, that was odd, but yeah. now I got to really, like, <laughs> right. are we going to spend a half an hour in this scene? Yeah. Um, I remember, I liked this movie a lot actually in high school. And I remember it actually going over very well when it was played in class. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah because I think that. Because the teenage boy is the... Yeah, and I, I think this is... Um, Conrad is such a relatable character. Yeah. Like, so often troubled teenagers are just played very one-note, like, all morose. And, yeah. you know, here's just kind of a normal kid dealing with trauma and definitely depression. And there are... Yeah. There are definitely warning signs, but it's not like he's just a, an amalgamation of warning signs. He has... Yeah. He has good point times and bad times, and you know I really like how when he loses his temper that he feels so bad afterwards and yeah. like doesn't double down and it's like, yeah. you know, just tell her I'm sorry. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, why don't you tell her? And it's like, no, I can't. Right. That's just, he's yeah. like so yeah. scared and vulnerable, and, and yeah. so it's like. You know, he gets angry, and sometimes it's righteous, and sometimes it's just an overreaction, but he's just like a normal kid. Because he really is, you know, as you go through the movie, you realize he doesn't have a mental illness. Right. He's just, as they say, he's, he's, he's having a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. Yeah. You know, what he's, you know, it's, it's normal. And and you can see that in how quickly he recovers, mm-hmm. you know, because it is a yeah. really, this is yeah. a, a recovery that you would have if there was a real. Yeah, and when you watch the movie, sympathetic to him, it's much more positive than if you see it from the parents' perspective, because he yeah. definitely has a happier ending than. Oh, than yeah. they do. Yeah. Yeah, so like and, watching it as um, not a kid anymore, yeah. it's like, oh, uh, this is kind of a downer. Well, watching it, yeah, definitely as a mom watching it, it's like, okay, we've got, 
you know, I get it. Everybody has mommy issues, and it's all the mom's fault and, <laughs> and stuff. Now, yeah. and she's, and they're really, uh, the the Meryl Streep character actually was more understandable than, right. you know, you could kind of, as a mom, like you could see somebody who, because they portrayed her as really losing her self-esteem to such great level. I mean, that was mm-hmm. just really brilliantly done. And then, you know, some people just, you know, you just buckle under the strain. And anyway, this one, you know, there's like no real redeeming qualities to... There's no. nothing empathetic about the no. <laughs> Beth character. Yeah, she's really, she's really terrible. So then it's almost like the movie is like helping people to, you know, I don't know, work through their issues yeah. with moms that they feel are, are distant and, and focused on everything being perfect. And, and I'm sure that there are... Right, but also she's also a victim of her own personality disorder. Like, there's some sympathy, like, towards the end where she's about to leave and, like, she's, like, almost trying to cry, but she, she, like, can't help herself from, there's almost, it's it's almost sympathetic because it's just, like, she's just not capable of experience or allowing herself to experience emotions. Yeah. And I wasn't sure how, when she walks up the stairs at the end, yeah. I thought maybe she was just going to tell him, well, we're not getting a divorce because that would just make her look bad in her right. in her eyes. To yeah. me, I see that it has kind of a good ending for him because he's kind of released from yeah. being imprisoned. For, they even show, like, when they go out, it's to do things that she wants to do. It's never what he wants to do. Uh, yeah. So it's just like he he ends up with his son and yeah. the house, and he's free of the tiger well, lady. And I, I really actually liked also that dinner party scene where it's yeah. just like a lot of cutting to um, like all these different small talks, just yeah. talking about you know golf or yeah. business or all these like yeah. even this very superficial mm-hmm. stuff. And like where he gets in trouble for it is yeah. actually speaking honestly. Right. Um, yeah, having yeah. a good conversation with somebody who's expressing real concern. Yeah. Not gossipy, right. but just somebody really expressing yeah. deep concern. Yeah, the only problem them. though was that they were sitting on that staircase yeah, that with was... like carpeted with like really green really carpet. Green. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, very distracting. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I'm glad that you were distracted by that, too. I was distracted by it. It was like, that, that carpet yeah. needs to go. Right. My only qualm with that scene is, I think, Red, uh, it's directed by Robert Redford. Uh-huh. I haven't said that yet. It was a little but, like, too well, intimate. But... Yeah, and it's almost very too straightforward. A lot of the, like, in that scene where he's talking to the woman, we have these cutaway reaction shots. So to um, Mary Tyler Moore, to Beth, who's, you can tell that she's very angry. So we know and she's once li- that... she's like, all of a sudden she hears it. Yeah. And... Yeah, and so I think that it's... I think the movie could use some more, like, small surprises. Like you don't have to tell us... Like, say, for example, you 
don't have those shots and you just have her coming up. Oh, are you ready, honey, to leave? And because you uh-huh. know, um, at that scene, she's very lovey dovey, uh-huh. and then when they're in the car later to see that she's angry, so that we kind of share in his surprise that he, so we don't know that she's upset. And there's just that little bit of, you know, so the audience isn't always, like, telegraphed, this is what's being experienced now. Yeah. So, and, and that will right. give it a little bit more dynamics. So it, it's, I think because it's so straightforward, it kind of ends up with a very, uh, very heavy, maudlin feeling to yeah. the movie. Right. satisfying and it's got to be so rare when he has this big breakthrough with the therapist which mm-hmm. probably doesn't usually happen right where but i like how that showed where this young boy who's been just in his head mm-hmm. all this time all of a sudden realizes that basically he's strong and he's a survivor yeah. and and it was it was really great to see him. Like, once that clicked in his head, yeah. then, like, he changed, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, he started changing with the non-Ally Sheedy character, Elizabeth <laughs> right. McGovern. Elizabeth McGovern. Yeah, when um, she shows interest Janine. in him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, anyway. But there's a lot of angst in this movie. Yeah. But, and yeah. it's very, yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, okay, it's a good movie. It's very the heavy. And, the dad yeah. and the son have this great bond and they'll live happily ever after. And the mom is just bad and she goes back to her little yeah. bad hole. Yeah. I think we're in just this very kind of dour section of the list. <laughs> yeah. That's very serious. Oh, yeah. We have. Million Dollar Street. Baby, Nomad Land, Kramer versus Kramer, yeah. Ordinary People. I have to say, I think I liked Kramer versus Kramer better than. Yeah, I, I went into this thinking Ordinary People was the better movie, but this yeah. time around, I, I liked Kramer versus Kramer better. Well, I, I think it's more nuanced similar. than. There's a lot of similarities, but. Right. Um, I just really felt like it was. It took things a little bit more nuanced, where this was kind of heavy handed, where. The characters weren't as. Yeah. Well, I guess it's just Meryl Streep. Well, yeah, and then there's also it's a little bit more repetitive, like because uh, that French toast. They both have a French toast scene with parents making French oh, yeah, toast for their kids. That's right. <laughs> um, that's interesting, um, but that's a great scene, and the dinner party scene is great. But then it's like. Okay, when they're taking a picture, it's really just the same thing we've been seeing. You know, with the, I have to disagree. I but, loved. The, I thought yeah. the picture taking scene okay. was was incredibly powerful. Okay, and because it, that's where we really saw, you know, for uh, from the boy's perspective, that this is not in his head. That they're oh. taking all these things, but as soon as the mother. It's like, okay, I want just the two of you together. She couldn't be with just him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he's like, does nobody see this? And the father's got the camera and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And, like, he just bursts out at there. Yes. But I think for him, that was like, 
lot I think of that was okay, a yeah. really necessary scene. Okay. And really shows like this is not in my head. Okay. She's got a she has a serious problem with yeah. me. And I'm not making I'm not crazy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good pushback. I mean I was but my point was not so much that it's a bad scene, but it was just that we see this dynamic just kind of recycled. Yeah. That it was over unnecessary. and over again. Uh, but yeah, to uh, the way you explained it, I don't think it is unnecessary. Uh-huh. That, that's a good point. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, very dour section of the list. Yeah. It was kind of cosmically fitting. There's like a, I don't know, without naming any names, there's like this overriding cynicism in our culture where we don't like nice and happy things. Like you'll mm-hmm. see something really warm and empathetic and people will be like, oh, look, she's signing for her family. That's so lame. Like, <laughs> she's she's becoming friends with the hearing people. That's so stupid. And it's like, okay, well, would you prefer that like her brother dies in a boating accident and she tries to kill herself? No, her I would prefer that. I would prefer that. She has to live in a van or... Or maybe her dad gets murdered from the homophobic Marine next door. This is a whole different issue. That just came across as an after-school special. <laughs> I can't. I'm just, I just thought that'd be funny. Yes. I thought you were going to start with Mrs. Miniver, but no. What's wrong with Mrs. Miniver? Nothing. <laughs> That's yeah, a nice, that upbeat. That's, that's, uh, yeah. Frank in the 60s are much more... Yeah. Up- Upbeat. Actually, uh, the whole, well, not the whole row, but a lot of that yeah, row of the sixties was pretty, pretty it good. Is. Yeah, well, there's a good. lot of good stuff to come. Yeah. 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 Uh, we started out stronger than we kind of went yeah, into the Yeah, and there was a lot of good stuff in the that was ranked in the fifties that I didn't like. Yeah. American Beauty or Million Dollar Baby or yeah. Artist Since Rain Man, it's been a little bit disappointing. Yeah. American Beauty. Patton was the sort of the upbeat highlight <laughs> from uh, American Beauty to Patton, which is not very upbeat. No. To Million Dollar Baby to No Man Land to Kramer versus Kramer to Ordinary People. Yes. Not that they're all bad, but that they're just very. You know, it would be nice to get something kind of sweet and upbeat. Oh, I love. Maybe your... the sound of music wouldn't be nice to watch the sound of music. Oh, yeah, so I had ChatGPT write a um, limerick about ordinary people, which (laughs) at first it just gave a limerick about people who are ordinary. Yes. So I had to clarify. I mean the film. Ah, I see. (laughs) It says. Yeah. Here's a limerick about the film Ordinary People. Did you want to read it? In Ordinary People, Conrad mourns for a brother who died and never returns. With a family so tense and emotions immense, it's a poignant story that still adjourns. Yeah. Yeah. What does adjourns mean in that context? It means it leaves. The meeting is adjourned now. It ends. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. I could using it right, but anyways. Yeah, I don't think so yeah, so, um, you know, Ordinary People got six Oscar nominations. Okay. Not a whole lot for Best Picture winner, but okay. half of those were for its actors. Wow. So three. Three, the yeah. main three characters. Oh, well, I mean, that must have, 
Mary Tyler Moore. Yes. The kid. Um, Timothy Hutton. Timothy Hutton. And then Judd Hirsch or Don? Judd Don? Hirsch. Oh, yes. Judd Hirsch. Yeah, okay. Donald Sutherland's never gotten an Oscar nomination. Oh, really? He's very okay. good in this. Um, yeah, it's I a thought he was good. Crowded Best Actor field. Timothy Hutton was deemed a supporting actor. Which, oh, okay, know, it's weird. Okay. It's kind of the movie's all about him, but you okay. know, probably because he's just a kid and he won. Oh, did he? Yes. Okay, for supporting actor. Yeah, Mary Tyler Moore lost to Sissy Spacek. Oh, for, um, Mary Tyler Moore was very good in this. She was very good. Yeah. Sissy Spacek is also really good in Coal Miner's Daughter. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Robert De Niro won for Raging Bull. Okay. And Judd Hirsch was in supporting. He lost to Timothy Hutton. And oh. then supporting actress went to Mary Steenburgen for what was, and Howard. Was um, Donald Summer- Sutherland nominated? Nope. Oh, no. okay. He's never been nominated. Wow. Not yeah. for MASH? Yeah. Not for MASH, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, Judd Hirsch was, just got his, this was his first nomination. He just got his second for The Fablemans. Oh, just okay. this year. Okay. Wow, um, that's a big gap. That's a big gap. Um, so, yeah, that's that was the, I think that's still the youngest group of acting winners because they were all under 40. Wow. Mary Tyler yeah. Moore was under 40. No, she lost. She lost oh. to Sissy Spacek was. Oh, okay. They're, they're, none of them are still under 40. Though. Right, no, I knew that. Because <laughs> yeah. it's been over 40 years. Um, so Sissy Spacek. Yeah, so that's yeah. the second... Earliest year where all four acting winners are still alive. Yeah. Knock on wood because we're recording this early, but <laughs> they all seem in good shape. Yeah. Well, they're all um, baby boomers then. Yeah. 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 Well, we will get to the oldest year or the earliest year where all four are still alive, but uh, hopefully they still will be by the time we get there. 78, I think. Um, and that one's like a little bit iffier because uh, I think one of them has cancer, but uh, we'll we'll get to that. Okay, so so we got those three acting best mm-hmm. picture, best picture, best director. director. Okay, mm-hmm. Robert Redford. Yeah, yeah, and best screenplay. So one for. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, one picture director, supporting actor, and screenplay. Um, so what what else came out in 1980? The Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that good? That's a much better movie. Oh, it's so much better. It wasn't even nominated. It wasn't nominated for Best... I think it was just kind of a snobbery about sequels. Because Star Wars got... was up for Best Picture. Was it? Oh, this is much better than the first one. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I, I think it's... Quite easily the best of the Star Wars. Oh, movies. sure, you yeah. say that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I didn't like it when I was three or whatever. Six. How old five. Were five. I would have been five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. I brought you to see that when you were five, and you had a fit. Yeah. That was scared. very traumatic. I yeah. love it now. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. way too intense. Oh, yeah. what is that? The Shining. Was oh. A, that looks terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> it is terrifying. Holy this, smoly. This is great. Great, uh, one of the best Stephen King adaptations Okay. Stanley Kubrick. Oh, gosh. I've never yeah. seen The Shining, but it looks terrifying. Yeah. And also in oh, the airplane. Yes. 
nervous? Yes. First time. No, I've been nervous lots of times. <laughs> uh, airplane's so good. Yeah, I don't know if they can hear that, but that was that. Yeah. Nervous. nervous. Yes. First time. Oh, I've been nervous. nervous lots of times. That's yeah. So great. Airplane, very good. Oh, God. I remember watching it with Lindsay, watching it for the first time. She lost her mind. Oh, my gosh. It was so fun. Yeah. Awesome. So good. We have... Um, we didn't have to figure out what we're watching next. Well, I think we should do that at the end of the halfway special because that would make more sense to like, do the first half and then that'll be... This is what's coming up in the second half. Okay. So we're going to end Ordinary People and that is it. Yes. Was but that? also, listen, we're also going to launch our bonus episode where we talk about the first half, of the, the bottom half of the list. Okay. So um, tune in for that, and we'll find out what we're talking about next week. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.